and welcome back to Chasing Perfection, a UConn women's basketball podcast. We have our second attempt at a preseason's predictions podcast. Let's hope this one goes better than the first and there's not going to be a team shutdown in the middle of our recording. Fingers crossed. Here we go. So we're having the predictions podcast right now because last week UConn announced that it's going to play UMass Lowell on December 12th to open the season at Gamble Pavilion. That'll be the season opener for the team. We also learned recently that they actually returned to practice on December 3rd. The school didn't really explain why. They said numerous negative tests for the student athletes. And then David Benedict, the athletic director, didn't provide a much more clear explanation either. So it appears that if there is a positive test, they don't necessarily need to shut down for all 14 days. It seems like it could be as little as seven. I guess all depends on the situation. So all of a sudden we have UConn women's basketball, not only back on the court for practice, but we're very, very close to having actual games too. So nothing is certain until that ball goes up in the air, but this is as close as, as close as we've gotten so far. So some other news, just before we get into our predictions, UConn announced that for out of market fans, wanting to watch the t- games on SNY. Those will be broadcast on the Fox Sports app. Previously, it was on ESPN3. I know a lot of fans who don't live in the SNY market were concerned about how they're going to watch the team. Obviously, UConn has a very, very large fan base across the country. So it'll be on the Fox Sports app. You're still going to need a cable subscription or some sort of TV provider that has Fox Sports in it so that you can log in with your credentials, but it's going to be free if you have that subscription. And it's not going to be on Flow Sports. I know me and Megan last week spent the entire, an entire portion of the show just ripping Flow Sports for being a terrible streaming service and how it shouldn't exist and just went on and on. And then naturally the Big East announces that it's going to stream Flow Sports for all non-UConn women's basketball games. So I don't think that's really the best thing for the league, but at the same time, there aren't a whole lot of other streaming options. So it makes sense for the league's bottom line, but yeah, I don't, (laughs) I don't think it's great for the league as a whole in terms of eyeballs on it. Yeah. I just really hate that move for the league in general. I think you've got a little bit of momentum from UConn coming back. You've got two ranked teams typically in the Paul market, but now you just put all those games on a service that costs $30 a month that is not accessible to watch. So not, not a great move for the league in my opinion. Yeah. We'll see what happens. I, I don't think it's a terrible idea. It, it's a one-year deal. I know flow sports is probably the worst sports streaming service out of all of them out there, but it's a one-year deal. Obviously, it does hurt teams like DePaul and Marquette, but there's going to be teams that aren't as good that are going to have exposure, some sort of exposure, on games that either wouldn't normally be on TV or would be on some other random network. So I don't know if this will stick in a post-COVID world, but we'll have to see how things go. There aren't a whole lot of streaming options. In terms of pure visibility, having games on YouTube is better than having it behind a paywall in general, but obviously you want to collect at least some sort of streaming TV revenue from these games besides just tickets collected at the gate, especially because you can't do it this year. I still think ESPN plus is a better service. It's easier to use. It's much cheaper. You have a whole lot more options to watch beyond it, but it is what it is. It's obviously not going to affect you kind of a whole lot. So, and it's also only the games that aren't going to be on the Fox sports network. So in better news, Brianna Stewart named SI Sports Person of the Year, one of five people under the overarching theme of activist athletes, the second UConn alum to make the to be one of the SI Sports People of the Year, joining soccer player Sarah Whalen, who was part of the '99 U.S. Women's World Cup nat, uh, championship team. So, pretty elite company for Brianna Stewart, and there's just not a whole lot that Brianna Stewart can still win at this point in her career, and she's what 24. No, yeah. she's like 26, right? I think she's 25. I think she's my age. Split the difference. We're going to look it up. I think she was 24 when she won her first WNBA title, and that's what I was thinking of. Yeah. She's 26. Okay. Still, 26 and has basically won everything that she possibly can. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So that'll do it for the news. We're going to get into predictions now. If you haven't noticed, we have Dan Madigan with us again to help us try and make some hot takes for the season. Hopefully, Dan, if things get shut down again, I'm sorry, but I think we're going to have to ban you from the podcast forever. That's fair. Can't argue with that. <laughs> Let's just get right into it. The schedule is going to be a mess this season. I think we've already seen that. The first four games have already been thrown off. UConn's added a new game in there after the schedule was already supposed to begin. Who knows what things are going to look like in a month, two months. So I don't know how much we can really guess off the schedule. But let's look at the starting lineup. They hopefully, fingers crossed, tip off on Saturday. Who's your starting five? So I think I'm going with the four returners to start. So you've got Kristen Williams, Olivia nelson Adota. Anna Makarat and Aubrey Griffin. And then for me, the question mark is that fifth spot. I think it's probably between Avina Westbrook or Paige Beckers. I'm, I don't know, I'm leaning towards Paige just because I feel like, you know, still saying Avina's not 100%. Um, I'm kind of curious to see what level she's going to be at. So I'm going to go with Paige. I have a, a similar lineup, Megan. The only difference is that I have Avina in is that second guard or non forward, I guess. The only reason is because I just don't think Oriema would put, you know, blow up Becker's ego even more than it might already be and give her the satisfaction of starting as a freshman. Um, I just, you know, that's stuff that we didn't even really see from some of the other talented freshmen that have come along, whether it was Kristen Williams, Brianna Stewart, Mariah Jefferson. So Westbrook not being healthy definitely changes things, but I think Westbrook is probably healthy enough to get the start and then, you know, Minutes-wise, Beckers might edge her out, but we'll see how things go. But I, I think Westbrook is going to get the start just because Gino's a really stubborn dude. I have the same for the four returners. I think that's pretty safe just because of the way that Gino said they've been clearly better than the freshmen. I've gone back and forth every single week, basically, since they've gotten back on campus, Who I, if it's going to be Avina or Paige. I think I agree with you, Madigan, that Avina's probably going to get the nominal start just to say she's in the starting lineup as a veteran player, as a team captain. I think it would be kind of weird for her to start on the bench. But I do think Paige is probably going to get more minutes and is going to be more of the lead point guard, even if she's not the starting point guard. I think someone who could be kind of a dark horse would be Nika Mule if she wasn't injured and questionable for the game. She apparently hurt her foot a few days ago and hasn't been practicing a whole lot. So I think she could legitimately start this year, but with her health, I don't think that'll be at least in the season opener. Yeah, I have to lean towards pay, or towards Avina starting just kind of for the reasons you mentioned, Madigan, but he's spoken so highly of her off the court and you can tell that he has a lot of respect for her, but I am still really concerned that pretty much every single thing that seems to come out of Gino's mouth about Avina as a basketball player is negative and, or is about her health. And every single thing that comes out of his mouth about Paige is positive and makes it seem like she's going to be a very key player for this team, which I think is what we expected, but it's always kind of a toss up for freshmen. So I think I'll lock in my official prediction as Avina as the fifth starter. With that, how many minutes do you think the rest of the roster gets? How, how deep do you think their standard rotation is? And how much of an impact do you think the rest of the roster has as a whole? I feel like I don't know that their standard rotation goes deeper than six or seven. Again, I think it's still going to be a pretty short rotation. I think you're going to see Olia Edwards get big minutes, especially as she develops through the season. And then I think you're going to see minutes for Nika Mule, assuming she gets healthy. Beyond that, I think the rest of the team's role is probably going to be pretty limited. So I see probably just the six, seven rotation like we normally see out of Gino. Yeah, Megan, I couldn't agree more. I think this is the whole reason Dan invited me on the podcast, right? This is my, my not, it's not even a hot take because it's just a fact. Gino loves playing with a small roster, six to seven people. Um, occasionally he'll go up to eight. 
not not you know including the blowout games in, in like the AAC and stuff, but Gino loves using a smaller roster. I especially I think with these all these shutdowns and the season possibly being so on and off, I don't think there's going to be too many opportunities for these other players to crack into the lineup, and it, whether it be in practice or by breaking out in games. I think Gino is just going to roll out his six or seven best players on any given night and and see if that's enough to beat the other team. And usually it's going to be, but like you said, there's a lot of projects on this roster between the freshman and Piaf Gabriel and Mir McLean. Uh, they might be good players this year, but it probably won't be until the end of the season if they contribute uh, in a substantial amount. So in terms of proven talent, there's six or seven quality players um, and some legit stars between Williams, Beckers, and Adota. But um, I can't see Gino using more than six or seven players for a good chunk of this season. Um, and then when games get out of hand, which I'm sure they will one way or another, uh, we'll see some of the freshmen kind of force their way into the lineup. I agree in half a sense that I don't think the rotation consistently is going to be huge, but just with how many freshmen they have, that brings the volatility that come with them. I mean, you look at Aubrey Griffin last year, she had, double double performances where she was unstoppable and then other nights where she had four fouls and two rebounds and no points so there's always an inconsistency with the freshmen and I think pretty much everyone except Paige is going to deal with that on a nightly basis I think I don't think Paige is going to be great from start to finish but I think she's going to be a consistent player roughly for UConn she's going to have a dip in the middle of the season but for the most part she'll be there it won't be a Brianna Stewart type season I think it'll be closer to what we saw from Kristen Williams a few years ago for everyone else I think it's all going to depend on what they look like in practice leading up to the game and then I could see Gino experimenting early in the game where he throws someone out there for just one or two minutes to see how they respond and that depends how much they play throughout the rest of the game. So you look at if eight minutes into the first quarter, he brings in Aaliyah Edwards to spell Olivia Nelson at Dota for the last two minutes. If Edwards plays really good in those last two minutes, then maybe she gets 10, 15 minutes that game. If she doesn't play, then those might be her only minutes. So I think it'll be a changing and a living and a breathing rotation as opposed to just being these six, seven players are going to, be the ones that see the court until they're up 35 in the fourth quarter, then he's going to unload the bench. But having said that, I think there's like a roster of like nine players that are going to be in that mix. So the four returners will be the lead players. If Avina's is healthy, I think she fits in with that mix and then Paige Beckers. So I see them having six players that pretty much play consistently every game. And then Aaliyah, Nika, and even Mir, I'm going to throw into that group. I think they're usage and their play will vary every game and by matchups and just how they look in practice because I think all of them are talented and ready to play at the college level whereas P.F. Gabriel seems like she's a project and obviously Autumn Chasson is a walk-on so I don't envision her getting a ton of important minutes this season. So I think Ali is going to get a lot of time as a backup big but that might not be necessary if, Ali if Olivia is just dominating one game. I think Nika's going to get a lot of usage as a backup point guard, but again, when you have Kristen, Anna, Avina, and Paige, how much time can you fit another guard in there? And then I'll get to this in a little bit, but Mir McLean seems to be basically a carbon copy of Aubrey Griffin from last year. And regardless of how many opportunities there might be for her, that's a player that's going to be valuable to grab rebounds, play defense, just cause havoc. So I think she gets minutes. I just don't know if it'll be as large of an opportunity as Aubrey Griffin got last year. So that's a long way of saying, I think the rotation is probably like nine, but it's not nine in the traditional sense. I think every game it'll be like six or seven, but nine players throughout the season will be in the mix for a lot of it. Yeah. I think that's interesting. What you said about McLean. I think Gino has always shown an affinity for those uber-athletic players like Griffin or Gabby Williams, who, even though Williams didn't necessarily have a ton of basketball skill right away, um, she was definitely more polished than Griffin or, or McLean likely is, but didn't have a ton of you know shooting skills. She was still able to force her way into the lineup and, and make a difference in a lot of games early on as a freshman, and Griffin did too. Um, it just provides a lot of defensive flexibility, and usually there's enough offense around and there should be this year as long as Williams and, and Beckers can click 
and if Westbrook gets going, um, there's enough offense around them to kind of pull them up where they can reap the advantages of Griffin jumping in passing lanes, jumping over people to grab rebounds on either end and start the fast break. So um, it'll be interesting to see. And I'm sure those two will compete with each other for minutes at times. Uh, but I'm excited to see, you know, there might be some games where they're on the court together. And that's a crazy athletic lineup that we haven't really seen at UConn in a while. All right, so with that, we're also going to move on to another one of our segments that we've been doing throughout the preseason, our freshman impact rankings. Our final ones before we get to the regular season, and then we'll evaluate them at a midway point, and then we'll look back at it at the end of the season. So, Megan, what are your last freshman impact rankings? Oh, remind us of what your last ones were and then what they are now, if you can remember. I don't remember. I want to say the last time I had Paige at number one, Leah Edwards at number two, Mary McLean at three, Nika Mule at four, Beth Gabriel at five, and Autumn Shoshana at six. That could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that's where it was. Um, but going into the season, I think, I mean, Paige still stays number one. I think that's pretty clear cut, and Leah Edwards is a clear cut number two to me. There's some clear separation there with the two of them. I think I moved Nika Mule into number three. I just think what we've heard about her through availability kind of since the last time we've done this has me feeling like she's probably going to make a bigger contribution on this team. I could really go either way on Gabriel and McLean. I think McLean probably just gets more minutes, but I think Gabriel has just size that no one else in this roster can offer. So even if it's raw, it's something else that, you know, there's not another person off the bench that you can plug in with that. Um, but I think I'll keep McLean at for Gabriel at five and then Autumn at six. All right. So I did not have rankings last week. I'm swooping in and hopping in on the pod this week for, for predictions. So I would say that my list is eerily similar to, to Megan's. I had Paige at one, Aaliyah at two, uh, Nika at three, Mir McLean at four, Piaf Gabriel at five, and Autumn at six. I just think, you know, Paige is going to be a stud this year. I think she's going to have three or four games where she's absolute garbage like so many of the freshmen do. But overall, I think she's going to be incredible and she's going to be, you know, one of the top 10 players, 15 players in the country. With Edwards, I like her size. I think she's going to be able to spell uh, Olivia Nelson Adota for a few minutes here and there. And, you know, she has the pedigree as one of the top recruits in the country. So um, with Mule, I, I did see the quotes from Gino about McLean and some of the stuff from Mule about, um, how they perform in the offseason. I'm going to give Mule the benefit of the doubt just because there's been a little bit of hype around her. And, you know, Gino did a pretty good job with the last European import we had with Makarat. So uh, I have a feeling that if he thinks Makarat could contribute right away, it's a little bit different because I know Makarat played professionally, but um, I think he thinks Nika can do the same. So um, as for Mir, I know there was that quote today that everyone's kind of buzzing about. Like you said, Dan, she's an elite athlete. Usually elite athletes find their way onto the floor. It's the same thing with Aubrey Griffin, who at times looked like she hadn't touched a basketball in years. But, you know, she's an incredible athlete, and she's going to make, make things happen. And sometimes you need people like that. Um, I don't think Piaf Gabriel is going to play much at all this year. I think she's super raw. I know the size thing is certainly good to have, and I think it's an interesting project. But I think she's at least a year away from, from being a real contributor in any way, shape, or form. And then Autumn's obviously the walk-on. She'll get, she'll get her garbage time minutes and get some buckets. Uh, seems like a pretty talented player in her own right. So it's good to have, you know, a guard that can score and, and had a, a good high school resume uh, as a walk-on. It's, it's a nice luxury to have. So I think my ratings are going to be a little confusing. These are going to be who I think have the most impact, even though I don't think it'll necessarily be by who are the best players. So Paige is obviously number one, as she's always been. I think she's going to have one of the best freshman seasons that we've seen at UConn in a long, long time. I think she's really that good. Number two, I'm sticking with Aaliyah. She's played for the senior Canadian national team. That's no small feat. And she's a presence that they haven't really had, a physical presence that has been lacking for a long time, if they've had that even recently with her combination of size and ability to play inside or out. I had Mule at number three last time. And I think Mule is probably the third best freshman, but 
I think Mir probably is the third most impactful freshman just because it's going to be so much easier for her to make an impact with grabbing rebounds, offensive boards, keeping possessions alive, crashing the boards on defense and preventing other teams from getting extra possessions, playing very good chaotic defense that Aubrey Griffin had last year, being an explosive threat from the perimeter that can slash and get to the rim. I think doing those things are a lot more simple and straightforward than what Mule's going to be tasked with because Mule has to learn the offense and learn how to run the offense and has to find ways to get shots and make passes when you have two people who I think are above her on the point guard depth chart and probably six, if not seven people who are above her on the shooting chart. I just don't know how much she's going to have for an opportunity, even though I do think she's going to be a really good player, which is why I have Mir number three and Nika number four. And let me just read the quote that we've been talking about. I think we've teased it long enough. So on the coach's show, Gino's coach's show on ESPN radio, this is what he had to say about Mir. Sorry, I don't have the actual Gino audio because it's not ours, but quote Mir McLean is a consistent rebounder she's a consistent offensive and defensive rebounder she's probably as good as anyone on our team at go get the ball she's consistently good at slashing to the basket she just doesn't something it was inaudible about our offense she's still trying to figure that one out but defensively rebounding the ball attacking the basket when she has the chance those are things that'll come natural to her see that sounds almost exactly like what Aubrey Griffin was. That was pretty much a, if you had to put in Aubrey Griffin's role last season in five lines, that's pretty much exactly what it was. So even though I don't think Mira will have the same opportunity that Aubrey had, I think she can make a similar impact as just an energy and a spark plug off the bench, which is why I have her above Mira. With P.F., I could see her actually being not necessarily dominant, but strong against some of these big East teams that don't really have the size like that. But I don't think she's going to be able to contribute really against actual bigs this season, just because of how raw she is. So she'll get her feet wet this year with the way that she can rebound and play defense and just use her size to bully other teams. But I think, yeah, she's probably a little ways off from actually being a consistent presence in the rotation. And then Autumn, Autumn's supposed to be a really good shooter. She might actually be the best shooter on the team. So I wouldn't be super surprised if for some reason there was a scenario where UConn desperately needed a three and they threw her on the court just because she's the best shooter. But other than that, yeah, I think she's going to be limited to that garbage time. The new ascension to the Molly Bent, Tierney Lawler, Brianna Polito, fan favorite that comes off the bench late in games. And obviously Molly wasn't a walk-on and played other minutes too, but just the way that she would energize the crowd coming into the game late and everybody would yell at her to shoot it when she got the ball. So I think it'll be the same thing with Autumn. So yeah, Paige, Aaliyah, Mir, Nika, Piath, and Autumn. That's my freshman impact ranking. And I think the thing with Piath too is that I know the size is really important. But the biggest thing with the way this team runs and operates and has always operated is whether the bigs can run the floor or not. Like we saw issues with that where, you know, Stephanie Dolson, when she was a freshman or sophomore, wasn't necessarily in the best shape, got into shape as an upperclassman and was able to really contribute. And now she's a you know legitimate WNBA player. Um, but there is talented bigs that have come through this program and haven't done well just because they don't mesh with the type of offense that UConn runs like Natalie Butler, right. Was an elite freshman at Georgetown transferred to UConn um, had, had moments, but couldn't really play too much. Didn't fit within that offense. She transferred to George Mason immediately led the country in in double doubles and rebounding and, and, you know, had a solid career, but a lot of it is going to depend on how she'll be able to run the floor, not necessarily this year, but through her career. And that's what I think makes Olivia Nelson Adota so great is because even though she's still a little raw at times offensively, she knows how to run the floor, get a decent position under the basket, and try and get some easy buckets in transition. So um, it's it's not always just about how skilled these bigs are. There's a lot of other things that go into it where the guards can usually be more plug and play. Like it's not as crazy to think that Beckers can contribute 15 points a game or, or whatever right away. But for bigs to do that is really rare. And I think it'll be interesting to see uh, – 
how she develops, Gabriel develops over the course of her four years here because it takes some time. There's a bigger learning curve. Right. I think you make a good point there with the bigs that can run the floor because I know the last few years, UConn hasn't really had any really big bodies down low. And it seems like all those players go to Baylor or really just the Southern schools. And it can be frustrating at times when UConn's going up against them. But really, the only times UConn has a really good big is when they're clearly either the best or the second best player on the team. And the offense is built around them. Like Tina Charles, very clearly the best player on that team next to Maya Moore. And they built the entire offense around her down low. Then you really have to go way back to just look at the, even the other time with care, um, not Carrie Bascom, although she probably does qualify, but Rebecca Lobo and Kara Lawson, both of them, the two best players on their teams where they were running an offense through the low post. When you have someone like Natalie Butler, who was obviously very good at both her stops before UConn and was a solid contributor for UConn as just a rebounder and a big body down low, but they're not going to remake their entire offense for a seventh, sixth or seventh player in the rotation when they just had the ridiculous amounts of talent that they did when she was on the roster. And I guess we could categorize Brianna Stewart as a center too, even though she feels like more of a wing, if not even a guard from her time at UConn. So just, again, a player that's super athletic that doesn't really play like a true center. So I think we do see that out of Nelson Adota. And last year, she tried to extend her range a little bit and become more of a shooter. If she can really lock that down this year, I think that would be a huge boost. So yeah, I think that's a really good, thing to point out about Gabriel and something to look for in her development. Yeah, Dan, I think you meant Kara Walters, not Kara Lawson. Oh, yes. Sorry. Kara Lawson pops up on my Twitter all the time now that she's the coach. Sometimes I think she's still at Tennessee. I have nightmares. I'm not going to lie. I feel like she was in college forever. I'm definitely not going to get any angry tweets about accidentally screaming (laughs) Kara Lawson for Kara Walters. In my defense, I wasn't born when Kara Walters played. Yep. I, when did Kara Lawson play? Was that early 2000s or was that still yeah. late 90s? I think so. It was early 2000s. Okay, so I was alive for that one. So that is my defense. Sorry, I'm young. Yell at me all you want. <laughs> yes, Kara Walters They built the, was a player they built the offense around. Yeah, I think it'll just be really interesting to see how they progress throughout the year because, like we mentioned, there's going to be a lot of time to see these players when they're playing in those fourth quarter garbage time minutes. And I think one of the biggest differences is in the past, like last season, Batuli Kamara, as great of a person as she is, obviously I think those injuries that she had kind of sapped anything left that she could do at UConn. So when she would come into the game, you weren't looking for what she could possibly do in the future. Evelyn Adebayo is a grad student, so you're not looking towards the future with her. I think for the first time in a while, we have some really interesting talent that might not necessarily be able to crack the rotation now. But for example, the men's basketball team, the guys at the bottom of the rotation, we're probably not going to see play a whole lot this year because they're not going to have many blowout opportunities. But just because of how good UConn is and the way the women's Big East is, we're going to have a lot of those opportunities to see how they play and develop. So I think it'll be fun to just track them and see how they do throughout the season. And if we can see them progress throughout the year. For sure. I think yeah, that's an advantage of still being in it. It's obviously a step up from the American, but a conference where you've got a lot of teams that are going to be pretty easy for you kind of be because you've got all these opportunities. One to watch the freshmen develop, but also they have more opportunities to spend time on the court in an actual game scenario, which is going to help them develop into better players quicker. Yeah, definitely. So that'll be a overarching theme this season that I know I'm personally very excited to watch. Hopefully we actually get to see them develop throughout the course of the year. And it's not only seeing them play two games every single month because of shutdowns or cancellations with other games or whatnot that who knows what the season even looks like, but we can at least dream. All right, so next, UConn has had an All-American every single year in the past decade. It's a pretty safe bet that they're going to have an All-American this year. Who or how many do you think they'll have? I don't think that was good English, but you know what I mean. (laughs) I think just one. I think there's just too many good players in the women's game this year for there to really be a possibility that they're going to have two. 
Um, but I think it's probably Kristen Williams. That's the obvious pick. But I, I just think that she's going to be the player that's at that level. I think the other pick that people would think about is Olivia Nelson-Odota, but I just haven't seen enough that I'm convinced that she's going to be playing at that level at this point. So my pick would be Williams. Yeah, I was going to say it's probably between two players. I was going to say Kristen Williams or Paige Beckers. I would probably give that edge to Williams as well, just because I don't know if Beckers is going to have enough games under her belt to get super comfortable to play at a high level long enough to warrant conversation as a freshman first team All-American or, you know, any All-American. But the talent is certainly there. I don't think, I don't, I'm not sure if it'll come this year, but I think, you know, sophomore, junior, senior seasons, we'll be seeing a lot more of it. Yeah, I think this team has a lot of really good players. I don't know how many elite players they've had, so it's a little tough. Kristen Williams is a really safe bet to be an All-American in my mind. The way that she played as a freshman and the potential that she showed, in my mind, she was on track to be one of the best players in the country as a sophomore. Obviously, that didn't happen, but that potential hasn't gone anywhere. She just had one bad year, and that bad year wasn't even that bad. So she's going to have a really good year, and I would feel very comfortable saying she's going to be an All-American this year. With Nelson Adota, I'm not necessarily sure if she's going to be at that level to begin with. And then I also just think with how many really good bigs there are around the country that she just won't be able to crack in in that regard because you have Aaliyah Boston and Charlie Collier and just a host of other really good bigs that it's such a crowded field to try and fight through and get that she could have a really good year and not be an All-American. And I think that would be totally fine. I don't think Paige will probably get it either. I think it's just really hard for a freshman, especially at UConn, to become an All-American. You have to be really, really special. And I think Paige will be phenomenal as a freshman. I don't know if she'll be at that level, which, again, I think it's not like, oh, my God, Paige isn't a freshman as an All-American. Like, what happened? If she has a really good year and isn't, that's perfectly fine. Someone that I think could be a very sneaky pick for All-American is Aubrey Griffin, because... Last season, when she was on and she was flashing her potential, she was seriously unstoppable at times. Other teams didn't know how to contain her. They physically couldn't because she was so athletic and so quick and just so dominant at everything that she was doing. If she can put that type of performance together every single night, that is an All-American type player. Maybe she hasn't necessarily gotten to that point in her career yet, but I think she's going to surprise people for how good she'll be. Yeah, I think Griffin's going to be really good. I just, I don't see her being an All-American and not because she can't play at an elite level, but because I still don't think her role on this team is going to be scoring a ton of points. And it's just very hard to be an All-American if you're not putting up 16 plus points a game. And I just don't see that as her role here. But I think if you're talking about end of season awards, Griffin as a defensive player of the year candidate is a very viable one. Yeah, I, I agree. I think, I don't think Griffin is there yet as a shooter um, to, to score enough points to, to warrant the conversation. But I think talent-wise, athletic ability-wise, she's definitely up there. And look, I mean, Gabby Williams has shown the path to, to doing that, right? So it's not out of the question. I do think it's unlikely, though. But if this was a longer season, I really think there'd be a lot more legitimate buzz for Beckers to be an All-American. I just think, like I said, she's not going to be able to get going in time. Uh, to to play at a high level long enough but it, it's a bummer I think it we could be looking back four years from now as like a big what if like what if Paige Beckers was able to play 40 games but as a freshman what what that would have done for her career for the for the program maybe even so it's frustrating those are the times we live in unfortunately but should be exciting I mean I think between Williams Adota and Beckers and, and maybe Griffin there's a few legitimate all-american candidates like usual. So should be a pretty good team this year. I think that Gabby Williams shout is actually pretty good because you can make an argument that those two years that she played after Stewie left, she was the most important player on that team. And I don't think she ever got more than what was it, third team All-American. And I think she also did get a defensive player of the year. So that could just be the ceiling for that type of player because of the scoring and like what she does, she'll make the flashy plays, obviously, with the way she would rebound the ball and jump and make defensive plays, but she just doesn't do a whole lot of eye-catching things to 
Because let's be honest, the All-Americans aren't necessarily the best players. They're just the most popular players every year. Because if the best players were selected for the postseason awards, Nafisa Collier would have won some National Player of the Year award, and she didn't. So clearly the process is flawed, and I think that's probably going to work against Aubrey Griffin. And yeah, I don't think she'll necessarily be an All-American this year. I just think there will be a conversation about it, really. That's fair. I mean, I will forever be salty that Nafisa Collier never won a Player of the Year award. But <laughs> anyways. Um... It's unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. We'll use that to tease that if we have some sort of break from games in the upcoming future, we're going to have a podcast hopefully dedicated solely to how Nafisa Collier was so underrated at UConn. So hopefully we don't have a large break that without games, but keep an eye out for that in the future. Moving on, it's watch list season. Does anyone on the team win the award that they're on the watch list for? So to recap, and you can check this out on our watch list tracker on the UConn blog, Paige Beckerman is on the watch list for the Nancy Lieberman Award, which goes to the best point guard in the country. Kristen Williams on the Ann Myers Drysdale Award, best shooting guard. Aubrey Griffin, and we talked about this somehow, Avina Westbrook on the Cheryl Miller Award, which goes to the best small forward in the country. But considering Gabby Williams won that award, clearly they have no clue what a small forward is. So that's probably just an everyone else category. And then Olivia Nelson-Adota on the Lisa Leslie Award watch list, best center in the country. There's also a couple of players on national award watch lists. Take a shot every time I say watch list. (laughs) On the Naismith and Wooden Award watch lists are Paige, Olivia, Avina, and Kristen. And then the Wade Trophy, which is the Women's Basketball Coaches Association National Player of the Year Award Trophy. The three juniors, Nelson Adoto, Westbrook, and Williams are on that. Okay, does anyone win the award that they're on the watch list for? If we look at the positional ones, I don't think so. I feel like the player that has the best shot at winning one of these awards is Kristen Williams, but that award is Ari McDonald's to lose, and... I think unless something crazy happens, she's probably winning that award. Um, I the, the Nancy Lieberman one, I think, is the most interesting to me. I think there's a chance Paige could win that. I also think if you move Avina to the correct watch list, there's a chance she could win it. I think there's a chance that, and I think you can play your way on and off, so I think they can correct that <laughs> um, mistake, obviously. But um, I think there's a chance that you could, could win that award because that to me, that list is the one that's like most up in the air but I, th- I mean I don't think Olivia Nelson Dota is going to be the best center in the country she's going to be good but she's not going to be the best center in the country and Aubrey Griffin on the small forward list it's also a stacked list so I just I, yeah I, I think it's going to be hard for anyone to win one of these awards and the best shot is the point guard. Yeah I agree I think if Paige gets out to a hot start and doesn't have this you know rough stretch that we're all kind of predicting I think she could probably win because I I don't think it's a total popularity contest like like you were necessarily alluding to Dan but it definitely is important and there's a lot of hype around Beckers and I think I could easily see the sport kind of rallying around that and and trying to get some momentum going Um, but this is part of how UConn operates right they're usually they're going to have the best players on the court um, but they don't always have the best players it's you know how the collective team always plays. So they they might not win any individual awards, but because of the chemistry, Gino's coaching, CD's coaching, they're going to be able to compete for a national championship this year. Um, not that they have scrubs out there in the starting five, but you know they're not always going to have Brianna Stewart, Morgan Tuck, and Mariah Jefferson in the starting five. Uh, sometimes they can make do with a little bit worse than that even though they're, you know, top five, top 10 players at their respective positions. And that's fine. Yeah, I'm on board with all of that. I don't see anyone winning any of the awards just because, like I said, I think they have a lot of really good players. I'm not sure how much elite best in the country talent they have. At best, they probably have a lot of top five players in the country. Like Kristen Williams is probably a top five shooting forward Paige Beckers could very easily be a top five point guard. Same thing with Aubrey and Olivia. So they probably land a lot of people in those finalists lists that come out right before the final four, assuming, you know, that happens this year. And then I would see, I could see Kristen landing on the finalist list for one of the national trophies, but unless Kristen just comes out and has a 
Maya Moore type year. Like I think Kristen would have to not only be spectacular, but she would have to be whatever the next step is past that just to kind of launch herself into the conversation because most of the people that she would be competing with are going to be coming off a year where last year they were in consideration for this award. So I think a lot of it, I don't know if political is the right word, but you kind of have to jockey and what you did last year, I think does impact how things go this year because a lot of it is just perception and how you're viewed, which again is how Nafisa Collier never won one of these awards, which is mind blowing. Nafisa Collier wasn't a flashy player. So it was hard to catch people's attention when she just put up 20 and 10 every single night as a machine, as Gino called her. So yeah, I don't, I don't see anyone winning any of the awards, but I think a lot of them will be not a lot of them, but we'll see some finalists in there. Yeah. I agree with you on the individual or not the individual, the like kind of overall awards too. I just think there's for sure a finalist potential, but no one, I don't see anyone winning national player of the year from this team. And I think that, comes down to the points that you already made and then also you've got these candidates from other schools where you know at UConn Kristen Williams might be great but she's got four other great players at least around her on the court whereas you've got someone like Ryan Howard at Kentucky where she's going to be the star and the very clear star of that team and it just it creates more room to be kind of winning those national awards. Yeah that's a good point because Brianna Stewart you look at her career of stats at UConn and they're I'm not saying they're bad but they're not unbelievably impressive they don't blow you off the page but she's very clearly if not the best player in college history the second or third best behind two other UConn people and Maya Moore and Diana Taurasi so it is hard to judge UConn players on their stats just because they're essentially only playing three quarters of every single game and that hurts them in the long run but none of them care I mean they may care for 10 minutes after they don't win it but they want to win national championships. That's what matters at UConn. The celebrating non-national championship things that can stay at South Carolina. Who lost this week? Wait, at some point we need to talk about South Carolina losing this week. I, I can't don't, we don't we got this far into this without <laughs> I honestly meant to lead with it and completely forgot until now. Very big okay. of you, Dan. Very big of you to wait this long. <laughs> We're going to have a South Carolina section at the end of this podcast, but we're going to get through our predictions first. So yeah, I, I don't think it really matters. It doesn't, I don't think these awards are a hundred percent indicative of how good a year a player has, especially again, Gabby Williams won a small forward award. So it's not too much stock to put into it, but it's just something interesting to talk about. All right. So we are going to get on to our rapid fire answers. We're going to go Megan first, then Matt again, then back to me. Who's the leading scorer? Kristen Williams. I'm going Beckers by the end of the season. That's a hot take. I was not expecting that. Wow. I'm also going Kristen Williams, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's on a mock route because she's good. Leading rebounder. This one's probably easy. I'm actually going with a hot take here and going Aubrey Griffin. Oh. I was thinking about Griffin. Um, I think it's Olivia Nelson Nadota's title to lose. I've just spent the the better part of the last 20 minutes trying to say that Aubrey Griffin's going to be an All-American contender. So naturally, I'm going with Olivia Nelson Nadota. She's just, (laughs) she's huge. I think she's going to grab the most rebounds. I think she's consistently going to get like 12 or 13 a game, whereas Aubrey could like very easily break the single game rebound record at some point but then also only have like six another game. So I'll stick with Nelson and Dota. Leading a sister. This one's interesting. I'm going to go with Avina, assuming she gets healthy or mostly healthy, but going with Avina. I'm going to go with Anna Makra. I think she's God the most talented <laughs> passer on the, on the team. I love her game. I think she's an awesome player. She's so much fun to watch. I think she's going to excel in this second year in this offense. I really thought I was going to be able to get that one and really come out with a hot take. Uh, This is what I get for bringing you on the podcast, Madigan. This is how you repay me. Still got it. Yeah, I think I'm still going to go with Anna Makarot, even without the hot take factor. She's just really good at passing the ball, and we saw that last year when she settled in. And I just don't know how much consistency there's going to be at the point guard position because, as I've said a million times this preseason, I don't really know what to expect out of Avina Westbrook. I think Paige is 
going to have her struggles where it hurts her numbers. And then I just don't think Nico Mule is going to get the minutes to be able to get into that race. So I think Anna is going to be on the court a lot and she's going to be passing the ball a lot. So I'll go with Anna. Team MVP, most valuable player, not best player. Like MVP is usually taken throughout every sports league. I'm going with Olivia Nelson Adota here because I think how good this team is just relies so much on kind of what level her step is, like how much she steps up this season. I'm going with Kristen Williams. Um, I think she probably could be the best player on this team by the end of the year, but she also needs to bounce back from a less than ideal sophomore season. And I think if she's not consistently good every night, this team could get caught off guard uh, in a Big East game this season that they probably should have won. I also think it's Nelson Adota just because we saw what happened last year in the games where she didn't play well against good opponents against Baylor, South Carolina. So they really need her to be at least consistent, if even if not great this year. So if again, if she misses significant time, I don't think it's going to sink them against Big East teams since they have Griffin and Edwards and even Piaf Gabriel, depending on where she is, but they're definitely not going to make a national championship run if Olivia Nelson Adota isn't playing at a high level. Next one is who's your breakout player candidate? I'm going with Makra here because she's getting absolutely zero attention on the national scale. And I, that's definitely going to change by the end of the season. Yeah, I was I was gonna say Makarat too. I just I think she's like a perfect, you know, four year, three year starter in this UConn offense. I think she's a really smart player. She really plays within herself and she's gonna allow players like Beckers or Williams or Aaliyah Edwards or Nelson Nadota to be better just by being on the court with her. I actually didn't even consider Makarat as a possibility because in my head, she's already a really good player and it's hard to realize that not everyone thinks like I do. Thank God for that. But I'll go Aaliyah Edwards just because I also don't think in the same vein that Makarat's not getting the national attention. I don't think Edwards is getting the attention she deserves as a freshman. Again, she has played for the Canadian senior national team. She has been teammates with Kia Nurse. That is a very big accomplishment for an 18-year-old. I think she's going to be really good this year, and I think she's going to bring an element that UConn hasn't had on its team in a long time. Really tough one. Where do they finish in the Big East? <laughs> first. Yeah, they're going to finish in first place. And more serious question, do they lose a Big East game? No. I don't think so, but Dan, you know how I feel. I'm always worried about <laughs> the road game at DePaul. One day, Doug Bruno is going to catch Geno slipping. It's not on the schedule yet. Maybe it will be. But um, I don't know, it's, if they're going to lose a conference game, this is 100% the year, just because who knows between shutdowns or pauses or some other weird thing that UConn will do if, if there's another positive test within the program. I'm sure they would avoid this at all costs, but I could e easily see them having to play a conference game on one or two days of full team practices if, if things go south. So that changes things a lot because that levels the playing field significantly so it'll be interesting interesting to see but I don't think they'll lose a, a conference game this year yeah that's a good point and assuming COVID doesn't affect their season yeah they don't lose a conference game this year I think they probably go seven years without losing a Big East game too unless someone really like turns into a national championship contender like a Marquette or a DePaul or who knows who else I have a hard time seeing that happening so, yeah, I don't think they lose at all. And I forgot to mention that I think they're going to finish in first place in the conference. <laughs> Assuming there is a normal NCAA tournament, what seed do you think they are? Oh, this is a tough one because it so much depends on what they actually play in terms of schedule. I, it's a one or a two. It just, it, I can't say it without knowing like if they're actually going to play anything. If they don't play like a, an elite team in non-conference play, they are – probably undefeated but a two, two seed and then if they have a couple big non-conference wins then they probably get the one and they don't lose those games that's not a like rapid fire answer but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm gonna try and quantify it a little bit I I don't think they're gonna play any non-conference games outside of this UMass Lowell game and I don't think if, if they do play any it won't be on the road I think they're gonna make make teams come here, come to, come to UConn. So that might, um, you know, limit the number of teams that are willing to, to play the Huskies. So I, 
think they're probably going to be a two seed just because I'm not sure if they'll have a real test outside of playing DePaul or Marquette, who I don't believe are even on the schedule right now. Um, I'm not optimistic about that South Carolina game being played, which is a bummer um, because it's always a good rivalry. But I, I think this team will be probably undefeated heading into the tournament as a two seed. Fortunately, no longer having to deal with the American where if they were in the American this year, they could be undefeated and be a three or even a four seed just because the conference was, was hot garbage. So we'll see. It's going to be a weird year, but we already knew that. I still think they're a one seed. Just I don't think those non-conference games happen either. I just can't imagine UConn sending its team to Texas in the middle of January. That just seems asinine to me. I also don't think South Carolina happens just because – I think the Big East eventually goes conference only or even into a bubble. And then obviously non-conference games don't really work for that. All those other top teams, I think are going to lose like three or four games. And can you really push UConn outside that top four if they haven't lost a game when these other teams have like three and four losses? The answer is probably they'll find a way if they want to. But if UConn looks like a UConn team, I think they'll still end up as a number one seed. Yeah, I think just like how they look is going to be so important. It's like when the records are going to be kind of useless, basically going into season it's, or going into seating, it's, it's going to come a lot down to how they look on the floor. Yeah, and it'll be a little easier to actually gauge this team, I think, because they're not playing those Cincinnati's or, or UCF's uh, of the world. And that might be, a, even though there's not a ton of top 10, top 15 teams in the Big East, the even the middle to bottom of the conference is still decent enough where it's competition. Good way to gauge how things are going. So it'll, it'll be interesting. Right. Like the second or third, not the second or third, but like the third or fourth team in the American would probably be like fourth or fifth in the big East. And then the big East just wouldn't allow the bottom of the American to ever (laughs) even exist. So, (laughs) okay, let's get into some of our final predictions. How far do you think they go in the NCAA tournament? I think they make the final four, but I worry that the first time they're going to play a top 10 team is probably going to be in the elite eight, which makes it a little bit more difficult when you're, you know, usually UConn's very prepared for those games because they've played three or four top 10 teams, at least kind of throughout the season. Um, I still think they make the final four, but I think if there's a year that they get knocked off earlier than people expect, it would be this year. Yeah, I think this is definitely an elite eight team at the minimum. And I think if enough things go right, if Beckers is out of that slump that we're all talking about and, and playing good basketball heading into the tournament, this is this could easily be a Final Four team. Um, I think this will be a big test for Oriema and the staff. I mean, we know that they're some of the best coaches to ever do it at any level, but I think this is where we could really see their ability shine just because – the NCAA tournament will be pretty normal in the, in the sense of the cadence will probably be this be similar. It won't be too condensed. Um, but I think that's where we'll see Oriema and the Huskies kind of separate from those teams that are in that, you know, eight to 12 or, or five to 12 best teams in the country. Uh, and you could see the UConn UConn team elevate their level of play when it matters just because they have better game plans. They can execute better. uh, And they've been prepared mentally and physically for these tournaments for, for this tournament uh, throughout the whole season. Yeah. I feel pretty good that they're going to make a final four because that's just what UConn does and they have the talent to do it. The best thing for this team, honestly, might be to kind of suck at some point this season Like last year, they had a million close games that they really hadn't had in the past because they weren't very good, and they had to pull these games out late in the fourth quarter. There was like a 10-point game against a bad Memphis team. They had a pretty tough matchup with UCF. The DePaul game comes to mind, Seton Hall too, where they really needed to dig deep and find ways to win, and had they played in the NCAA tournament that was really going to help them get through those tough games whereas those immediate post-Dewey years when those teams went down like against Tulane or against Mississippi State or Notre Dame they had absolutely no idea how to react and when they got punched in the face they were stunned and really struggled to get their feet back under them so even if UConn hasn't played a top 10 team by the NCAA tournament 
I think if they at least have some close games under their belt and don't just roll in having won every single game by double digits, I think that'll prepare them enough to face a top 10 team, even if they haven't seen that level of talent. So I feel pretty comfortable saying they get to the final four. They definitely can win the national championship this year. I'm not really sold on anyone else. I don't see Louisville winning a national championship this year. South Carolina, I've made my feelings clear on them plenty of times. They're never winning another national championship. In terms of pure numbers, yeah, I think UConn could. Maybe this is the year that Stanford finally breaks through and wins their first one since the 90s. So I could see this being like a similar season to Brianna Stewart's freshman year where they had that very talented freshman class and they had growing pains throughout the season. But when they got to the NCAA tournament, boom, that they, they weren't going to be stopped from there. Yeah, I agree. I mean, they definitely could win the national championship on I haven't, I mean, it's early, but I haven't seen anything from anyone else. It's like, oh, yes, that's the team that's going to win the national championship this year. I think people are very much overreacting to Louisville winning by like 50 over DePaul. It's like, yeah, they played at DePaul's pace and it was a perfect matchup for Louisville. I don't actually think that Louisville is like by and large the best team in the country right now. So I, I think they've got a real shot at it. Right. Like DePaul is also built where most games they're either going to, be within five points or they're going to lose by 50 just by their style of play. So beating DePaul by 50, like the, um, the 2016-17 team, they beat DePaul by 50. But then the next year they had to trouble with DePaul. Like, I, I feel like DePaul is a very bad indicator of how good a team is just because of the way they play and how they're shooting a million threes and just their entire offense is set up. So, yeah you can't take a whole lot off an early season game against DePaul of all teams. Last prediction, leave us with a hot take. It needs to be hot. And if it isn't hot enough, I will make you give me another one. I need a minute. (laughs) All right. I'll start. I think Nika Mule starts a game, not because of injury this year, because she's the best point guard for that game. I think she'll be that good. Come on, let the takes flow. (laughs) <laughs> Let's right, get I got, I got one for now. Man. Maybe you can come back to me, but um, I, I think Gino is going to make an appearance on Paige Becker's TikTok after a win in the UConn locker room. Maybe, maybe if they go to Baylor or against South Carolina, big uh, celebratory TikTok from Gino and Becker's. That's a really good one. They, I don't know how to. Have they figured out how to put videos in frames? Because if they do, that needs to get sent to every single museum that's ever existed immediately after it happens. That needs to be like a banner in Gamble, a video banner that's playing constantly. <laughs> can make like, like a the, banner, it's fine. Oh, like it, <laughs> if you've been to the Worth Champion Center at UConn, they have those giant video boards where you walk in. That needs to be playing on a continuous loop 24-7 on those video boards. That's a good one, Madigan. Um, let's see. Start going. I I don't know that this is really counts as a hot take, but I feel like we're gonna see a lot of like small ball lineups. Like I wouldn't be surprised if one of the most common lineups involves Kristen Williams, Amina Westbrook, and Paige Becker is on the floor together. Okay. Do you have any player predictions? Like want to drop any? Big. I mean, we kind of have. Yeah, I feel like we already made hot takes about the players. <laughs> I'll allow that one mostly just because I want to start making fun of South Carolina <laughs> so last episode I specifically said how I don't actually think North Carolina is good and until they prove otherwise they're not actually that good of a program and naturally they must have listened to the podcast before the game in the locker room and they beat South Carolina so very very terrible game but the result is the only thing that matters <laughs> Yeah, I'll say that I said that NC State was legit, so I do not agree with you on that. I thought that NC State was going to win that game, actually, but um, yeah, it was just a really, really ugly game on both sides. Um, I don't know. To me, there's a lot of question marks on that South Carolina team right now. Aaliyah Boston is gaining basically all the defensive effort, so her numbers aren't great, and then Zaya Cook is good for them, but I just don't know who else is going to step it up enough for them to be the top team in the country. Yeah, so I think, I mean, it's a good win for NC State. I, I don't know much about that program, um, but I do know they, they were like the last undefeated team in the country last year, right? And they had some legit momentum going into the NCAA tournament last year before uh, 
things obviously got canceled, but it is, you know, it is early in the season and it's a weird season. So it's probably a little too much to overreact to South Carolina, but it is really fun to see Connolly go off and, and, you know, stoke the fire of all the, the Gamecocks fans. So I want to promote it as much, as much as I can, What else do you have to say, Dan? Well, just the Players' Tribune article that came out immediately after the game. What was it? Th- like 32 straight wins? Or was it not it was even 29. That? It was either 29 or 27. Was it 26? Maybe. I thought it, it was, was 29, and then maybe today Oregon said their like, win streak is now at like a program record 26 or something. Okay. Yeah, so the Players' Tribune tweeted something like 29 straight wins. Like, what a huge accomplishment for South Carolina. UConn basically does that every single year. That is the, like, smallest definition of a great accomplishment. It's just, like, act like a big program. You have won a national championship. Don Staley had a quote in there that was like, this team is going to be remembered forever. No, they're not. People have already forgotten about that team because they didn't do anything. And it wasn't their fault that they didn't do anything. They weren't going to win the national championship anyways, but like, we can't prove that now, but it would have, they wouldn't have. No one will remember this team. You know, the only national championship team that Gino still brings up to this day is his first final four team in 1991. The one that he has said, if they don't get to that final four, nothing else after happens. Don Staley talked about last year's South Carolina team like it was that 1991 team like does she just forget that she's won a national championship it makes absolutely no sense why she continues to just prop up these stupid and pointless accomplishments that real big time programs don't celebrate like when was the last time you saw Gino Ariema get legitimately excited about winning his millionth conference championship I think they have like 50 at this point he always makes a point to say it's fun for the kids to win, but like, yeah, they want to win a national championship. He, he's never going to celebrate finishing number one in the postseason rankings because them and Baylor have done that every single year in the past decade until 2020. It's not a huge accomplishment. And if you're a program that's actually a blue blood and a perennial national tri- championship contender and actually has any level of respect for itself, you don't celebrate those things. And that's why South Carolina is never going to win another national championship ever. They could literally have the entire WNBA at their disposal and they would find a way to lose. The only reason they even won their first national championship was because Stanford had a million injuries and UConn lost to Mississippi state. UConn wins that national championship by at least 20 points. If they get there, like the, game earlier in the season wasn't even close the athletic put that south carolina team in the like their top 30 college basketball teams of all time they wouldn't have even have been in the top 30 college basketball teams of the last decade that team wasn't that good and it got lucky and sure sometimes it's better to be lucky than good but I, i'm sorry that's the only time they're ever going to win a national championship and that's my rant on south carolina that was incredible that was worth it <laughs> Anyways, we made it through the predictions podcast. I didn't know if it was going to be able to happen, but we did. So I think we just have to end on that note with the South Carolina rant. I'm not sure there's much else we can talk about. Madigan, you got any parting thoughts for us? I think it's going to be a really interesting season. I'm really excited to watch Paige Beckers. I was fortunate to cover the team during the Brianna Stewart era and just seeing a player at that level you know, one of the best in the world, if not the best in the world at what they do. Uh, being able to play on a night in, night out basis was just incredible. And, you know, I think Beckers has a long way before we really start comparing her to Stuart, Maya Moore, DT, all those greats. But she certainly has the pedigree coming out of high school. And I'm excited to see that, you know, see if she can turn that into some real collegiate success. This is going to be a weird first year to do it, but She's the, you know, the player that I had my eyes on this year. I think, I think it's going to be really fun to watch her play over these next four years, and, and this year could be really fun too. Megan, any last thoughts from you? I just hope that we actually get to see them on the court on Saturday and nothing blows up before then. And just, I think everyone's just got to take it one game at a time, but I'm excited to see them in action. I also remain skeptical, but, but 
one game is all we're asking for at this point. One safe game is all we're asking for. So that's going to do it for this episode of Chasing Perfection. We made it through the predictions podcast. When this comes out, we're going to be just two days away from the start of the season. So we're close. Let's hope we get there. Make sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you listen to podcasts. Share it with any friends that you have. Read the UConn blog in Store Central. Subscribe to the UConn Women's Basketball Weekly. And that's going to do it from us. 